Warning, the following audio may contain content inappropriate for a younger audience. Also, spoilers will be included for the most recent episode of Game of Thrones. You have been warned. Welcome to a feast for bros. I am not your host, but we do have a host for you today. Here with me is Sean Solis. Hello, Sean. Hey, guys. Uh, so I d- Jack dumped this podcast on me, but I'm kind of happy about it, actually. I think the real reason was that uh, Jack just wants to drink the entire time. So that's yeah. this way he could actually get drunk during the podcast and doesn't have to worry about writing people in. So yeah. that is now my job. <laughs> but uh, thanks for thanks for tuning in with us today. Um, as I said, I'm Sean Solis. Uh, we got Jack Newman. Hey guys, what's up? How you doing? Trevor Flint. Hey guys, how's it going? And Ben Haworth. Hey everybody. Awesome. Today we're going to be talking about. Episode 5 of Season 6 of Game of Thrones, called The Door. A uh, bit of a depressing episode. I was feeling that it, the, the whole thing was going too positive, like something had to give this episode, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, before we get to that, because I think we've got a lot to say about what happened at the end, we're going to start with some of the other storylines. So um, I think we're going to go ahead and start with Bravos with uh, Arya. And, uh, the eternal training montage. <laughs> <laughs> Needs more Eye of the Tiger, for sure. Yeah. It's the Eye of the Aria. <laughs> I'm gonna go nowhere for like three seasons. <laughs> so she, she has been like leveled to grinding pretty hard. Like, I don't think she leveled up this episode. <laughs> She's looking a little bit better at the stick. She's looking a little she, better. Well, at the she stick. got a quest, so I mean, that's good. You know, when you yeah. finally get that big NPC quest, that's a good one. It does, it does, like, it does kind of feel that from like a structure standpoint. Like, it does kind of feel like Arya is like George R. R. Martin's like vengeance character and he doesn't really give a shit at this point like he she it feels like she's leveling up and training and his like wish fulfillment character to some extent but like I'm ready for that wish to be fulfilled to some extent like I'm, I, she needs to start killing people oh I disagree right. I think she's like the epitome of desire like there's something about the faceless god that's very like almost buddhist for me that you just destroy yourself like that's i i love her character she's not slow like, and frustrating as character. it is i think Arya doesn't really jive with the buddhist mindset all that i mean essentially i the whole all i'm saying is like it, she's essentially george R. R. martin's batman like that's just what's happening right <laughs> well i think the big well first let's hear sean let, explain what happened this week in the Arya storyline sure so she uh 
she gets a an assignment to essentially assassinate somebody, which of course is what the faceless men do. Uh, you know, people essentially pay them to go go out and kill people, and her her assignment involves her going and watching a play, um, and the she has to kill one of the actors in the play. But I actually found the play to be really interesting because it was kind of a recreation of yeah. what happened in season one of Game of Thrones. Um, you have the whole Ned Stark storyline and how Robert gets killed, and then how um, uh, the Lannisters end up taking over and Joffrey becomes king. But what I kind of found really interesting about it is is the reception element of it, and this is where the the classics nerd in me comes out. Um, because it's reception of events that happen is just like a giant game of telephone. And what people think happened isn't ex exactly what happened. Uh, and you see that with how everyone thinks that Tyrion is like, the, the mastermind behind everything that happened. And how people think that Ned Stark is just this kind of, you know, really dumb, dumb dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I thought that was really interesting. And then, of course, Arya's reacting to this whole thing. Uh, so she kind of sees her father get killed, I mean, both times, right? So she saw it in real life, and then she saw it in the play. And this time she's, you know, she's pretty furious watching this, and you can kind of tell that she hasn't really reached the whole faceless man ideal where she just is kind of dispassionate about what goes on. But that's pretty much what, what happened. It's funny to me that, like, depending on the character that we're seeing in Game of Thrones, the perspective we're seeing from, it's like the public takes on the opposite viewpoint of what they want them to believe. Because I always felt like Tyrion would be walking around King's Landing, and it's like every, it's like common knowledge that Joffrey is a bastard. You know, you know what I mean? Like, and then, like, they're across the sea, and, like, now apparently it's common knowledge that Ned Stark was this usurper and all this stuff. But, like, at the same time, it's, like, it's, it's just, like, programmed material to, like, piss piss them off. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I love that piece because, you know, it's, you know, again, classics nerds. Like, it's a play within a play, so it's really, I mean, not, well, it's a play within a TV show, so it's, you know, infinitely shittier. But, like... <laughs> At the same time, it's just kind of funny, like how they how they play it off. And really, I just, I mean, I want to say that something deeper is happening there, but like, really, it's just like fodder to piss off Arya. Right, and I also think there's just an element of, of propaganda and history, like you said. I think that is, like they're going to explore it too far, but it is but an interesting little bit of like, this is how people we've been in this world from the noble standpoint. It is very much a Shakespeare thing where Shakespeare would tell exactly. these uh, his stories. And obviously, it's a little bit more vulgar than Shakespeare, but Shakespeare was notably kind of vulgar for his time period. Um, and it's very much the same thing as bare bones setting and people speaking somewhat in iambic pentameter. It seemed like, and yeah, it's uh, very rhyming much couplets written by rhyming the couplets. Uh, yeah, rhyming couplets definitely. And so it's very absurdly much annoying rhyming couplets. <laughs> yeah, not not as elegant, um, but uh, definitely it was sort of the idea, of similar Shakespearean style, where it was. Here's what we all think happened because you're commoners, and this is what the lords were up to, you know, that you only heard about, and this is my telling of it to you. And you can see how things change. We've seen it from the perspective of an all knowing, seeing viewer, essentially, who gets to see what we get to see. Right. But right. This is, this is what the common people think of these events, which is kind of interesting. I, I thought it was particularly that, good that they brought that, that up in the true. city of Bravos too, because it gives you a good idea of like what Bravos is all about. That it was founded by free slaves, and then they go back and we get this history of the first faceless men were freed slaves that founded Bravos in the first place. So I thought it was a very like tie those two uh, things together. Well. I'm gonna stab you there. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but but the faceless men are a lot more complicated than that, and we could have a whole cast. Uh, talking about their origins he was very vague on purpose is what i would say when he was talking about the faceless men they were valerian slaves he is right about that 
but they weren't freedmen that came to there. They they don't mind slavery. I mean, it's interesting. The faceless men really don't mind the facts of the world. They have like deeper issues, and one of the deeper issues is that they they object to dragons. To right. dragons specifically. Yeah, specifically. Because they object to the Valerians. They object to Daenerys' right, people. Right. They object to... Because, the, the, you know, the Valerians, their power came from, like, still... I mean, it's kind of esoteric. Like, this is where Game of Thrones gets esoteric when it... Because, when it, like, Valeria doesn't really... isn't Valeria is obviously a Rome allegory for most of the mm-hmm. show. But at the same time, there's other elements at play. Like, there's this kind of, like, the fire mythos that comes from there. And the fire mythos that, like, burned in Valeria. And then it they got right. too hot. And then there was the doom. And there's this whole thing about what we're not exactly sure what they reached for. Like, a lot of people associate it with dragons. But a lot of other people associate it with, like, fire magic. Specifically, like, this realm of, like, f- magic and fire that is, like, specific to the Valyrians of old. Obviously, it destroyed them. And caused like a dragon scale sickness, which we're gonna get to Jorah in a minute, and right. a lot of the other things. Right. So I just it, meant to say that I don't think we would have seen that play in any of the other the Seven Kingdoms. It seemed like a like a unique... yeah. I was saying, that's what I was saying. It felt designed to piss Arya off. Is all yeah. No, and that's point. my theory as well. Is that they sent her there for that very reason? Well, to, I think to, there's, to test there's her a, further. I think there's a bigger point too, because what it what immediately reminded me of is what happened last episode, where Bran goes back into the past and watches the actual duel between Ned and the Sword of the Morning, and of course, Bran was told the stories that it's like, oh, your father defeated this guy, and of course, that's not exactly what happened. And I thought they were making a similar point with the play that you know what what exactly happened is different from how you know it's received now. And I think they might do future, like, kind of alterations in the canon. It's like, oh, we've always heard that this is the story of what happened. But, you know, maybe it's not the case. <laughs> it's, yeah, the received yeah. history. He said that in the in the after the episode thing where you're talking about the difference between the received history and how, like, these things can get away. And how, like, people are like, yeah, obviously people, like, people are like, why aren't they helping the Starks? Well, St- Stark name is Dirt. Right. And, and, right. That, and that means something. It has to impress upon you that that means something. So... Well, cool. uh, I definitely think uh, there's probably going to be outside one thing in that the woman who plays her target, Lady Crane, I just realized it's Essie Davis, who anyone who's seen the movie Babadook would recognize her from that. She's an excellent actress. Yeah. So I do wonder if she have something planned for her bigger than just being a murder victim or possible thing, because clearly they always show that she's kind of more nice and Arya doesn't want to kill her. And yeah. uh, she obviously wants to kill the guy who plays Ned or something like that, but... Uh, uh, I'm just wondering, just since it's such a good actress, I don't know, they've wasted bigger actors, so, you know, I mean, it might yeah. not happen, but I'm just they curious, have, if we might get something more with her later on. And you never know with this show, because uh, it, people have talked about the contracts that they've gotten people into, they really, they really, like, people, apparently, like, big actors and actresses don't want to be tied down to Game of Thrones unless they're, like, a main Game of Thrones character, right. so, like, get, for them to get big actors and actresses, like, in the contracts, they have to specify, like, they're gonna kill them off by, like, this date. Right, like, you're only gonna, gonna be gonna set so many so, weeks or whatever, yeah. But it's interesting, that's how they're getting, like, Bernie Sanders' as, uh, actor and, like, some other people, like, they've kind <laughs> of, like, it's, like, he's going to die because it's pretty much specified in his contract that he has to be out to be able to do other work later on. Right. Jonathan so, Price. yeah. Yeah, Jonathan mm-hmm. Price. sorry. Um, um, we had uh, we had a lot more to talk about with Arya than I thought we would. Yeah, I thought everyone was kind of. Yeah. Well, I think the play made it more interesting. I think we're all somewhat similarly kind of bored with the. Oh, I'm just not bored, but I'm just in stasis. I like the idea of it. I agree, with Trevor. I really like the idea of like shedding yourself, but to get exactly what you want. But then you also have to give up everything you want. 
which I think is you know, that very like kind of paradoxical thing. But I've heard I've it a hundred times already, I and I want to see where it goes. You know? We're fucking yeah. like we're like literally like you know almost fifteen Aria heavy episodes into this bullshit plotline. And it's gone nowhere. Like, I don't know the specific number, but it's too many is all I'm just going to say. Like, this shit just needs to move the fuck on. And that's the thing is, like, there's issues with, like, for some reason they feel like they can't move Arya's story forward. And I don't know why they feel like they haven't done that. Because other other plot lines, I feel like they've accelerated the shit out of it. You know what I mean? Do you feel like I, the pacing is that different from the book? Or, like, that's yeah, just Yeah, well, way. especially, specifically, like, with, like, people like Bran. Like, I was like, dude, you could have given me, like like the whole season brand could have been in that cave and I don't and you could have shown like hints and tricks from the past like they could have extended that out as long as they wanted to and for some reason they're not because they need they feel they need to like continue brand's story and I'm just like why <laughs> well speaking so, of accelerating so, things uh, along what, uh, let's uh, one, shall we shall we accelerate yeah, yeah, this yeah, yeah, podcast yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah one, one bit one bit of trivia real quick because you told me to mention it Sean which is the, okay yeah the uh, band that was playing during the play was uh, the band of monsters and men the Icelandic band uh, they liked shoving their Icelandic bands in because Sugar Rose played in uh, the the wedding of Marjorie and Joffrey so they, they like hiding their bands they like in these shows so just a neat little bit of trivia that is pretty cool. And I'm a huge of Monsters and Men fan. They're fantastic. But let's go ahead and move uh, way up north. Um, we're going to Castle Black. Uh, and it really focused on Sansa this episode. Uh, so kind of the big thing that happened there is that she meets uh, Littlefinger, who somehow managed to, I guess, catch an Uber from the Vale to uh, Castle Black. <laughs> <laughs> He's got those fast travel points, man. I'm telling you. He just zooms for the show. But, <laughs> but I thought it was a really cool moment, actually, because... Uh, the reason that we have such a hard time kind of figuring out Littlefinger's motivations is because there hasn't been a moment where, you know, Littlefinger has kind of, like, been brought down a notch. He's always kind of the master gamesman, and he's, you know, he's moving the pieces with, you know, he knows exactly where he's going. But here, Sansa really kind of lays it on him, and he doesn't know what to do in this situation, uh, where she kind of blames him for delivering her to the to Ramsay Bolton and didn't know how kind of shitty of a person he was. And she kind of makes him guess of all the things that that he did to her and i thought that it was a powerful moment in the sense that it kind of brought Littlefinger down a notch but by the same token you could still see that Littlefinger kind of has a hold on her still and you saw that with uh, uh. when sansa meets with john and then she doesn't she's not necessarily forthcoming with how she learns that uh the blackfish has kind of retaken river run so you know that's there's still a little bit of a dynamic there where Littlefinger's still in control, but at the same time he kind of got brought down a notch too. So I thought it was an interesting little scene. <laughs> Dead air, <laughs> what you love on podcasts. Right? <laughs> no, I really enjoyed this. It was nice to see background. Sansa. You know, her, her, her big quote was, uh, "She's going to be in bitch mode now, or, or badass bitch, or something like that." And it needed. It needed to happen. Yeah, no, it needed, it needed to happen, to happen. and, and yeah. it was promised last season, and then we got the the worst of Sansa's you know whole right. arc, you know. Is... And so it was very good to hear her do that, and it was nice to especially show that her rape wasn't just you know another Ramsay sucks moment. It really did influence her character. I'm, right, I, I'm still not a hundred percent on that rape scene. Like I, I, I'm not I, either. I, yeah, but at least there are consequences to it post that, and it was really nice to hear her say. And then what do you think happened? It was very much scolding like a little child. Like re- I was squirming because I hate that thing, but it, it was definitely something to I hear mean, a little no, it was It was well executed. Was nice. And I said this last episode. I said, if she makes up with him next episode, I'm going to freak the fuck out. Like, no, that's yeah, fair. I said that. I said that. And they did exactly that. 
it would not be overnight. It would not happen instantly. It would not be okay. It, and they're absolutely right. She's going to get forced into accepting his help at a dark moment in this season. That's going to happen. Right, like, and like she didn't Peter, even ex- like go say, "Hey, you know, Littlefinger does say he'll help us with the Eerie." When like they're like, "Look, we're screwed on how many how the, forces." How we the have. fuck did the forces of the Eerie get to moat Kaylin without anyone fucking noticing? <laughs> like, like Littlefinger has is is not just teleporting himself; he's got teleporting goddamn armies now. Like this shit's gotten real. Like, Littlefinger's gonna win the Game of Thrones because he's gonna sex position his army into like God knows where. One of the big reveals <laughs> will be like the uh, underground tunnels he's built that like. Go through everything and have like an underground railroad or something. Yeah, and we have to remember that uh, the fucking Eerie, the Knights of the Eerie, haven't fought at all. So he's got like a full, full force. You know, they they haven't been in a single battle the entire Game of Thrones. So they're right. they're going to be pretty fresh. Exactly, yeah. and I think I, that'll I, be a big thing is if the Tullys aren't as strong as they are making it out to be, and John can't unite the houses. I think that definitely Sansa's going to have to reconsider trusting yeah, Littlefinger, but- even though he's a huge dick. Yeah. And mo- moving uh, back to Sansa's character herself, I feel it's uh, very important to mention that she has possibly joined the ranks of those on Game of Thrones that suffer from genital mutilation. That was a question I had. Yeah, that, wasn't supported. that was. Yeah. Um, cut you. That's what I wanted to know. I. Shit, that's actually a good point, Trevor. Like I was I was part of me was wondering if she was saying that just to, you know, toy with uh Peter Baelish and make him, you know, even more sorry for what he did and just make him realize the possibility of that. And part of me actually thought that that was a big reveal moment that we got that just made No. I I feel like this show is this this is this is game of fucking thrones guys. This isn't like subtle fun time. This, <laughs> this is, is true. Like if they if they genitally mutilated her, I think they would be explicit about it. And I don't mean to say that mean towards the guys. I mean like if they made that conscious decision, why wouldn't they say that they did? I agree. Yeah, cuz I think that I mean the, yeah. the the rape scene is like one of the hardest scenes. Yeah, I mean, like, there are a lot of hard scenes. Fuck? Like if you were going to be yeah. if you were going to be like, you know, coy about this like Jesus, be coy about like the rape scene. Like I don't <laughs> right. know. Right. That, well, actually that would have pissed me off to no end. Like I uh, I don't know. Like, I don't <laughs> so you know, think she was making coy. it up? I, no, I don't. No. I don't know. I don't. What the fuck, Trevor? No, I don't think she's making it up. I don't. She said she he cut her, but that doesn't necessarily mean he he like generally mutilated her. Right. No, no, no. But I mean, it's like it's it's part of the same issue. I mean, it, it's part of the same theme for me in the series. Well, right. Well, let, let's moving on to something a little lighter. I, I had to. Sorry, I, had Trevor, to, I didn't respond. Sorry. to you repeat yourself? Like we can't leave about there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sean. You cut out there at the end, Trevor. So like I didn't hear you. So like I'm not not responding to your point. So what did right. you say? Oh no, no, that's okay. No, I was just saying, no. I, I had the same. You like feeling, cut out, actually. and I'm like, like and I'm like, we're what? like moving on, and I'm like, you could have literally said anything, <laughs> and, like, and we were just like agreeing. Like this is a serious conversation. We need to make sure he's heard. What did you say, Trevor? <laughs> no, I was I was actually going to agree with you. Like um, when Sansa said that about what happened to her, that Ramsay cut her um, in that in that way. We 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 don't know that that's like is was as full on like as bad as it could have been i'm like struggling for like how to put this but like it still like makes her part of that extended cast of characters (laughs) in game of thrones that like have genital mutilation like of all things to deal with like it's something i don't know just very unique about game of thrones like medievally it's like what are the worst things possible that can happen to a person and that's 
something that characters deal with in this show. I don't know. No, Again, this is Game of Thrones. He ate a sausage afterwards. The guy <laughs> ate a sausage. <laughs> and they made a lot of dickless jokes this episode. So exactly. Yeah, I'm just, I just, it would be, it would be weird for them to bring up this topic. And I understand. I, I don't disagree with you that that's honestly probably what would have happened to her in the circumstance of this stuff. But like. Let's be honest. Like, I don't think there's a good way to bring it up in context of this show. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If they did, they'll reveal it later. You know what I mean? I think if it did happen, it won't just be hinted at. Like, we're gonna get. There. We're gonna like. It's. I just don't think. I think gen- female genital mutilation is like not an okay topic to really have like openly. And I don't really think it's a topic they're going to discuss on a shows in between shots of like. Daenerys's fake CG tits. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they've they've had a lot of uh, issues. <laughs> they've had controversies yeah. in terms of their treatment of women. Well, that, before, that's kind of so what I wanted to bring more. it up because it did seem like it was in that really iffy space for me, and I didn't really know why. But maybe maybe that's the reasons because they don't really want to go there. Well, you know, they don't have this goddamn problem in the book because Sansa never went to the goddamn north. So you know, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah. No, I just wanted. Yeah, to let's say let's that, move uh, on, please. I'm done. That, um, which, which was what I was trying to do earlier. Thanks, Jack. God damn it. <laughs> well, fuck you. I, I wanted, but the point, I, the point like, I was he trying to make. Is... Said, he could have said, I'm Trevor Flynn, and I appreciate genital mutilation of women. Like, That's not no, know please, what he said, please. Please. <laughs> But the, the point I was... Like, yeah. <laughs> Keep, please move on. Oh, no. I was just saying that oh, it was uh, kind of an enjoyable moment was how... Uh, how Sansa somehow in between like meeting Littlefinger and going back to the wall had time to like sew like costumes for her and, uh, really? <laughs> and for John. Yeah, everything is hyper sped up this season. Like sewing is super fast and like travel is fast. Like, and not just like, but like leather embossing. Like, yeah. like her skills went through the roof. <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it'll be an interesting because I, I do see. A little bit of a of a gulf widening between Sansa and John, and that I in in the sense that you know, uh, you had a Freudian sh- slip there, dude. Oh, well, uh, what did I? Well, you said between Sansa and Sean. You mean oh, and John. <laughs> <laughs> My dick just keeps getting further away from me. <laughs> I thought I said John, but yeah, no. I mean, you can you can see that Littlefinger's trying to like manipulate that whole situation where. You know, she's the true Stark, and he's he's still, like, a bastard at the end of the day. It's, yeah. And it's funny, too, because we haven't touched upon this shit since season one, really. Like, John, John has gone north, and it's weird to see, like, those still things. I don't know. It's weird for me to feel like John still gives a shit about that. Because, like, I'm like, John, you've been through a lot, man. You need to, like, let this shit go. And that's the thing. It's like, if they're going to develop this into a plot line, I'm just kind of like, eh... I don't know. I yeah. hope they. I hope they overcome it. But like, I'm sure it's gonna. There's gonna be, like they. It was too much of like a of like a writing beat for it to not have payoff eventually. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I. I don't know. I. I think there's that's there's truth in that. Sansa's gonna have to go back to Littlefinger eventually because, you know, this whole thing where they're trying to round up all the armies and go to the Vale or not to the Vale but to a River Run and get the Blackfish on board. There's just I just kind of see like a Rob Stark redux where like you know shit shit's gonna go south at some point in that whole thing but you know we'll yeah. kind of see what happens um, oh, and uh, hopefully she'll meet the 
the hound, and we can finally confirm Clegane Bull once and for all. <laughs> Clegane Bull! <laughs> I'm sorry, I guys. I need I need a quick uh, quick uh, refresher. I don't exactly know what that means. Oh, Clegane Bull means that uh, the mountain and the hound are gonna fight. Yeah. Uh, is that a, generally a, a presumed ship? as a trial by combat for um, Cersei. Uh, Cersei, the yeah. Faith. I got you. Because like it's gonna you. be like zombie. It's gonna be zombie Clegane and and I I guess like pseudo zombie like the Hound because you know he was dead last. He was dying last time we saw him. So unless the Red Priest Amir came by or you know he's been uh, he's walking like a shambling corpse. It's weird to. It's a weird plot point. But we're well, uh, well, as as someone has pointed out on Arc Bowl, which obviously takes us to a humorous level. I mean, Clegane Bowl's sort of taken on a life of its own as a, right, a super right. tinfoil <laughs> fun over the top love thing. <laughs> and uh, like, someone did point out that the actor who plays him fell off a bigger mountain than the one in the show and survived. So I guess it's possible. <laughs> well, I, I think the way I could see it working out, like seriously, is that you know he's wounded there. Last we saw him, he's wounded on the side of the mountain, and. Uh, Pretty much, what's going to happen is the you know somehow like the faith is going to get there and try to like restore right, and that's back why I think to hell. McShane is like a priest who finds him. Yeah. Right. right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And he and he's like deformed, but still like a competent fighter and all that jazz. And he comes back just long enough for the brothers to kill each other. Right. Which that, is awesome. Yeah, because Brienne in the in the, the book met a character named the Grave Digger, who a lot of people think is the Hound. Like his description sounds a lot like the Hound, but it was never confirmed whether or not it actually was. Right. Him. It, it was. It was also a weird, pointless character. I think. It right. Was, so it feels like it has to be the Hound, or it was just like, really pointless. I'm not gonna lie. Like in the book, like that was really non-contextual. I was like, "What's going on? Like, what's happening? <laughs> I don't know." But not to be offensive, like. I really like uh, Brienne's plotline better in the show than I do in the book. I mean, oh yeah, we haven't led her in a constant state of non-death with Lady Stoneheart. Thank God, Lady Stoneheart doesn't exist sometimes. Because, I mean, there's there's certain things like that that you're just like Jesus. Because um, I want <laughs> Brienne to keep being a character, and I've never like. I mean, I, here's the other thing: is like people are talking about like confirming that Lady Stoneheart is doing the Tullys. Like, obviously, the showrunners have lied to us before. It could be Lady Stoneheart. That we know that the blackfish is definitely active, and they planted the seeds in the Red Wedding episode because they showed that the blackfish escaped. Right, never was wondering where the hell he's been. Yeah, so. So, I mean, it feels likely that it is, like Brendan the blackfish is at Hoster Tully's house and have retaken River Run and is in control of at least a small force of Tullys. Right, and I, I hope there's something there because it's like if we're gonna get to a big battle in a couple episodes, I don't want to see John just being like, "Do you want to join? Do you want to join?" I think there's something more interesting than. <laughs> Just yeah. d- diplomacy, you know, <laughs> which sounds yeah. kind of boring for this show. Which he's gonna get. He's gonna get the Mormonts. He's gonna get a couple other houses. It's just like, where the fuck do we go from here? Um, yeah, right. And it'd be kind of cool to see uh, the phrase back in the fray because <laughs> 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 nice. we haven't seen them in like what two seasons ha. now. <laughs> ha. Ha. <laughs> oh fucking God. Sean was waiting to make that one. You, you made him the host, and this is what you get. <laughs> I know, I, I'm, I, like, I am, I, we're like 20 minutes in, and I'm already seriously regretting this. <laughs> just keep drinking, Sean. You've like, you've like undrunkified me. I don't. Just, just, let's move on. <laughs> oh man. Uh, right. Well, shall we? Shall we move to the the Danny and Jorah scene? Which, oh uh, wait, do you, yes. you want to take us farther north first? Or no, I guess that was first. No, we need to wait till last for that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yes. It's too big. I mean, there wasn't really a whole lot that happened here, and it was kind of a funny thing, because 
I love I completely forgot that this scene happened in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Jerry gets like the most emotional moment. Like it's an episode with way more shit happening, so like nobody remembers it. Well, this (laughs) happened in like the cast. Like Ben was just like talking to like on the thing because he was like he was like he watched it an hour after I did, and he's like and he like brings up in the chat. He's like, oh my god, the Jorah feels, and I was like, I totally forgot that fucking happened. Yeah, and I forgot it happened later. You know what we're gonna get to? We're gonna get to Hoda eventually but like i totally forgot this is a huge fucking moment yeah like there are three huge moments in this episode and they all get they all get shadowed by like the fan favorite dying but like that's the point is like this is a huge fucking moment and a turn for her character i think a little bit yeah this development for danny in terms of like you know danny has always like not like, necessarily accepted like there's been a like kind of a a battle between her and classical chivalry. She doesn't really accept the notion of it. She's skeptical of it. I think mostly because of like the series and how she was treated and how she was kind of traded off and, and like some elements of that. And like, she doesn't necessarily accept the history. She, and she also really, really dislikes the masters and everyone in slavery and all that. So she doesn't really necessarily trust chivalry in the same sense as a lot of the other characters and tends to break down a lot of the walls of society I mean, if we were going to vote her the true Bernie Sanders, that's what I would think she is a little bit. Well, um, I think I think there's a lot now of now she's uh, trying to be more balanced. But like, like here, let me just finish. Like this, this point is like with like her like saying like ordering him. It's almost like her buying back in to the original ideas of chivalry and accepting that he could be chivalrous, even though like he has dual natures like he right. does love her like and giving him like point. a uh, a quest a chivalrous goal you it, know really i mean mm-hmm. it, it's the way they frame it and the way they frame it like him receiving the quest from the goddess which is, is clearly what they framed it as like they framed Oof. it as her accepting her kind of role in that do you know what i mean in it's his life of... in a way too that's what it means for her to accept his love of her is this thing exactly. that's far more than she can ever possibly be is that he does hold her up as this an is object. all about her character jorah has not changed jorah oh i disagree oh, really i disagree i thought this was a scene that was all about jorah because if you if you look at how his character has developed over the course of like you know the entire show he has never really come forward and like explicitly told danny that he loves her and this is like the first time but that he's actually kind of We've well, known we... he loves her from season one, Sean. No, I agree, well, I agree with Sean. No, 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 no. I think the... it's a big deal that he could admit it for one. The, the, view, the viewers, uh, the viewers know that. The viewers know that he loves her, but Danny doesn't because he's. I mean, he's never come forward and like actually. Danny you know, he's does. trying to be this. He's trying to be the chivalrous knight who doesn't. You know, who's like serving her and is kind of impersonal. But he's never Bluebeard, actually. Bluebeard told her in like season three. Like he said, he. I'm fairly sure he loves you. And like, like it's it's kind of like common knowledge to everyone involved, just not spoken. Well, I mean, that's like why, hearing the words means a lot, and I think it, takes it does. A lot for him to to, it's, to say it's that good. He knows it was, it's good both. that he was able. I'm it's not almost saying, a it failure was, on his part to live up to his ideal on his part of playing the ship that 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 chivalrous person. That, right. To admit that like that, and it's I, asking her for something to an extent. It was a scene where he like finally manned up, I thought, and yeah. I think the reason yeah. that that made him do that is he, you know, he kind of realizes now that you know his life is fading away quite quickly. So it's it's almost an opportunity for him to actually kind of get that off his chest before you know he. Might, I mean, that could have been the last time that that he actually sees her, right? Well, that's you what know? he was playing. It definitely it was definitely played like a. Well, again, yeah. it's, it's a sort of a knight samurai style of, of 
you know, I love you. I'm going to go walk into the desert and die, you know? <laughs> well, this is the thing. This is the thing. We, like, this is the thing that I like about Jorah Mormont and, like, him. He is one of the few characters that truly has and experiences selfless love in this show. Right. I mean, and it's very possessive. Like, I'm not, I mean, you know, you can get into arguments about selfless love, but at least the appearance of selfless love is experienced by Jorah Mormont and that he loves her. And when she's kind of approaching him, he says, stay away from me. Even though, like, it's not a sexual thing, it's not an anything thing, he loves Daenerys and wants the best possible thing from her. And that's the thing. It's like it's evolved over the course of seasons. He's like he had like this romance and it's gotten there. I just, you know, I'm not saying that like this isn't a powerful moment for him. I think like the development in terms of new things that was shed light on like the new light that was shed onto Danny's plot line is more important than what Jorah was going through. Because I hate to say this, guys, but this is this is Jorah's exiting from the show a while, I feel like. From yeah, I think so too. Like well, he's heading to SS abandoned plot lines that maybe come back in the fifth act. I God actually, knows. I kind of like that where they're taking it though, because I remember we were talking last episode that you know if they kind of kept him there with Danny, they were kind of just building up to this thing where he would have to sacrifice himself at some point and just kind of yeah, you know, in kind of like a convoluted, uh, self-constructed moment. But here they actually kind of leave a little bit of room for him to kind of develop a little bit more as a character and not really use right. him as like a plot device. Right. So I, I kind of appreciated that. I have to live. You ordered me to survive. Right. It's, a, it's, just, it's actually kind of sexy in its own way. I mean, I, it's, it's a powerful moment. I'm not saying that. I like it. I just think that like my revelation about Danny as a character, like Danny accepting his chivalrous moment is a big deal for Danny who I Definitely. think is who's going to continue to be the more important character here, and yes. like her ability to deal with the with, because that's the whole thing is like Danny is so inspirational as the head of the dragon, like she inspires all this and other people, and her being able to deal with her subject in that way and take his conflicting feelings and his conflicting past and like forgive him in a sense. I think that's a big fucking moment for Danny. You know, Jorah, Jorah, it is the completion of the track he has always been on. But Danny, this is a 180 in terms of feelings that she has had in the past. Yeah, I think that was well said. That was well said. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. Well, I am been known to be well spoken, especially when drunk. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's when we're the most eloquent. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> so, so moving you're from at a, a, you're uh... at a good pace right now. We'll see how you feel when we get to the final <laughs> act. Uh, we're, we're, so we're already at the back end, guys. Not <laughs> so, so moving from I'm a scene of uh, six shots, kind of a... two beers deep, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was quite a tender moment, but uh, what happened on the Iron Islands was was not. <laughs> you people you know <laughs> they are man it was dick ah, jokes you king <laughs> like, no, did anyone your did anyone king. go ahead jack sorry no, 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 you're, you're on i'm just blowing smoke <laughs> i was no that's that's all i wanted to do too like did anyone else get flashbacks to like high school like council oh, elections yeah. wherever someone comes in and like well i would be able to do that thing better because of these bullshit reasons and then of course like, the jock who's like popular comes in and is like we're gonna like do everything that's not even possible guys like i'm gonna go right. fuck that dragon lady and we're gonna like take over right oh, and i was God. like yeah like she had a better plan i thought oh yeah <laughs> you know, it was it was know. so much like current politics too it's like all you gotta do is make dick he jokes. trumps all like, over her, you, yeah. you just <laughs> can i can i make a comment here which i like you're on Greyjoy coming in 
he's kind of he's kind of coming in as sort of the like the the proto Greyjoy. Do you know what I mean? Like he he right. like all his movements and especially like him talking about his cock in the same way. He really <laughs> reminds me of like early Theon Greyjoy. And it's yeah. almost like watching new Theon confront old Theon is like in its own way an interesting conversation. So I hope that comes to fruition in the future because like, you know, he talks about himself. He's like, ah, I killed the king. I don't give a shit. You know, I don't give a shit. I stabbed my brother in the back. I don't give a shit. I took over <laughs> yeah. Winterfell, which is my home, and they were always nice to me. I don't give a shit. You know, and then, then you got old new Theon who's like, and he's like, and he's like supporting his sister and supporting somebody else in his life and showing love in different ways, and I think that's, uh, I think it's, in, I think it's just a, it's just a really powerful moment, you know. I, I thought it was interesting too because I found Euron to actually make the more persuasive case about why he oh, should fuck be yeah. elected. Yeah, um, <laughs> I fucked. I mean, like, not to be from like a from like an outsider perspective. Like, if I was living on the Iron Islands, I was like, yeah, they fucked everything up. <laughs> right, <laughs> they just have. Yeah, because Balon's been like he's been king, right? And like he hasn't done shit enough. There's been this power vacuum going on, and the Iron well, Islands. Balon hasn't really, also like... got all the Greyjoys killed. Like, remember he he like he, he like like they're great destruction during like post Robert's rebellion was under Balon and now everyone's like, yeah, you're in, that might be good. <laughs> right. And what was also interesting to me too, is that he's the only character we've seen so far. Who's like done. Cause I mean, there, there have been people who've like acknowledged, like acknowledged Danny's existence that she's like across the way, but he's the first one who's like, I'm actually going to try to take advantage of that and like cement an alliance somehow and use that to like benefit the iron islands and it's it, it's you know it's kind of about time that Frankly, someone's like like if he showed up with a fucking fleet of ships like at least a couple seasons ago danny would have like jumped that dick like no one's business but like I, and i don't mean that mean honestly to danny but like i mean it in terms of like <laughs> I, that sounded terrible i mean <laughs> you mean you mean if she was in a she would have jumped that alliance that. rather quick <laughs> i mean sorry all the dick iconography is messing with me um they, uh, they said dick a lot in that episode they, that, <laughs> that was what happened i watched it i was like jesus christ like dude there's a fucking penis on screen yeah, like there, rose there was style also, <laughs> there was a dick was, on screen i forgot about that that was hilarious i was like wow that is a cock and balls Jesus Christ. HBO fuckers. Was he uncircumcised? I feel like he was uncircumcised. I don't want to get into it. We're not going to get into that. I feel like that that was something the showrunner specified is like they put out a casting call uncircumcised penises. (laughs) (laughs) Turning back to the. uh... All the Jewish actors are like. Damn. <laughs> He's still going with it. God damn it. <laughs> John, you got to just cut him off, man. <laughs> you got to you got to keep the bitches in line. Come on, Sean, do your job. The other uh the other you guys are fuck you guys. <laughs> the other the other really important thing that I that I wanted to talk about is obviously Yara and Theon steal, you know, the best ships in the fleet and like you know, sail off into the distance, but my question is where the fuck are they going to go? Like Right. No, no idea. Are they gonna no go into Danny first? Or are they just fucking off? Are they just gonna, gonna go, go raiding? A, a raiding, we will go. Right. <laughs> it, I think it might be a thing of like, let's get the fuck out of here, and then they get out of there and like, um, now what? Now, I, I'm not gonna lie to you, dude. I feel like that's an abandoned plot line for a little while too, because like, where? Not to be offensive, but whatever the fuck, the like the Iron Islands is important, and they built it up to this point, like. They've taken the time to establish them in characters in such a way that, like, 
they have to be important. But I always imagine that they would be involved in the resolution of when the fuck Danny heads over. And I don't see right. Danny leaving Marine anytime soon. Right. So well, she's got to be at back to Marine first chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's got. She's not even in Marine. Like she's got to go back. She's got to go. With, they have to have the conflict between her and Tyrion. They got to do all that shit first. That's Battle a whole of Slavers season. Yeah, 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 they do that. That has to happen. Like the final, like Danny's got to get back. Danny's got to have a conflict with Tyrion, and then Danny's got to finish out the Battle of Slavers Bay, and everything has to come to kind of a head there in Slavers Bay, and then that'll go on from there, and then she can finally leave. So I do feel like this is the last we're gonna see of Theon. Uh, yeah. For a while until I mean I'm sure we're gonna get some like you know oh let's go stay here for a while and we'll have like some little asides like Game of Thrones is really good at throwing like these like five minute asides in each episode where it's like here's another character just sailing around just cruising having a moment right like Sam a few episodes back yeah Sam's right. had a ton of those but <laughs> apparently we're gonna get to see Tarly's next episode which I'm super excited about yeah yeah before before we get there though um I think what's right, right, right. what's another kind of cool point to make is that you know they've they've kind of developed Theon back to actually being being Theon again because you could kind of tell that he was kind of transitioning from Reek back into Theon last episode and yeah. today yeah. or in this past episode he shows up in like the Kraken armor and he looks like Theon again so it's he's kind of like developed a lot more agency yeah. again which is kind of yeah. cool so but you can also see how well, meek he is like when Euron is 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 alpha you know all over him you know he goes back to his his meek kind of stayed a little bit oh well, yeah but he still that's, managed to actually like come up with something yeah. to say after that's the oh, for sure. out for having no that's so, like that deal. was yeah he's, like, he's he's getting better but he's he's hurt i mean he's he's got yeah. problems you yeah. know yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> also did anyone um, just kind of want you to just be dead and just like oh <laughs> like, oh and, was okay, anyone hoping is, we wouldn't get undrowned this, this is my actual <laughs> defense of the fact that sansa has not been generally mutilated if oh, God. Show, going back there. oh god oh god man i did not mean to make this like, a thing think about this for a sec if the show so shows ramsey is so fucked up and then sansa is not like there's bad illusions about like female genital genital mutilation isn't as bad as male genital mutilation right like, i don't think they did it because that invites that comparison and that's really fucked up so like I, mm-hmm. I feel like that's why they probably haven't done it or maybe they're i don't fucking know all right done with that <laughs> well, well I, I hate i hate to bring it up but we actually did leave off one point um speaking of genital mutilation i'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> do we need to put like we a forgot we forgot for we forgot about Tyrion and Varys back in Marine. Right. We're gonna, there. we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Okay. okay. That's, that's a good. That's sure a good segue because that's where we're moving yeah. next. Actually. Uh, classic right. gentleman. Take us there, segue. Sean. Please, please do better than I did. Like, let's talk about the segues out loud. That's that's classic feast for bros segue. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, oh God. Take this, us away, Sean. This this is another. Uh, <laughs> God damn it! This is this is another scene where uh, you you really saw and and I think I'm actually kind of back on the on the Ben train in terms of the the theory that you had last time where they're really trying to play up the conflict between Danny and Tyrion because this was a scene where you really did see like the difference in their approaches to like actual governance where Tyrion's politicking and he decides that you know even though Danny you know is going to come back and I don't know if he I think he knows that they have the Dothraki army so she, so yeah they have to know about that but. He decides that they need I don't to, like, think they. Do. I don't think, I don't Tyrion, think they know knows. That Tyrion does not know that. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, no. I, I, I think like Tyrion is just operating because he is spinning like, oh, she'll be back eventually in this episode to people, which is the whole reason she goes to the Red Priest. 
So I right, definitely right. think they do not know. He does not know when the fuck she's going to be. That's a, that's a fair she point. That's a fair point. Idea. But uh, but anyway, yeah, his... he's, he's operating off of the. Hopefully, she'll be back. But if she never comes back, let's fix it now. Like let's not just wait and six months from now everything's gone to shit. You know. Right, but he's not wrong in the sense that he realizes that like they actually have to win the common people back to Danny's side, and he kind of decides that the best way that he's going to do this is with religion. And we've kind of seen that the Lannisters view like the faith and the crown as the twin pillars of society, and if you can influence the people with what you know religions go, you know, what, the, what the people are saying on the pulpit, then it's an easy way to kind of influence society generally. And we, we also is... know that, like, the Lord of Light is way more powerful down south, because you've kind of seen, like, Tyrion going through, like, Volantis and all these other cities where we see, like, you know, red priests and priestesses on the streets, so it seems like it's a much bigger deal down there. Um, and then we had this kind of weird scene between Tyrion and uh, this new red priestess. I don't know if, if anyone wants to talk about that. <laughs> I thought it was kind of weird. I, I like her boobs better. <laughs> oh god <laughs> there's some good boobs i'm just gonna say <laughs> all right all right there we go I mean, I mean, <laughs> remember no, when i, I said how he was on the peak of uh eloquence there you go <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all fucking downhill from here um, uh, I, I think Tyrion. this is this is a true mistake on his part because like i think that like Especially when, like, the showrunners are talking about echoing Lincoln. Like, they're not going to say that that's a problem. Like, him, his decision to try to end slavery by seven years and create peace is probably a good decision, and they're defending it a little bit. But I think at the same time, like, this is where he's truly messing up. Because, not to be offensive, but using religion to your own gains has proven time and time again in this show, at least especially with Bernie Sanders over in King's Landing, to be a huge fucking mistake. Right, yeah, and I think that's it's like a Lannister thing where it's like, oh, we're gonna like, we're gonna like take take over the religion and use it to our our, our ends. Yeah, <laughs> right. but Tyrion is and it, doing it's weird sex. they don't realize religion can subvert uh, politics. One thing I thought was more interesting is more interesting the kind of her talking about Mel than it was about herself. So I, we'll have to see how she does. But it was more interesting to think. And one thing I think is kind of more pushing it along that it's gonna be a big conflict eventually between John and. Daenerys mm-hmm. uh, down the line is that it's very interesting that there are two uh, messiahs in the same religion you know that she believes that Daenerys is the uh, one who was promised who threw right. her fire and everything three three Melisandre, who knows, saw a guy come back from life is like no he's right. the one who's promised so I do wonder if right. that is going to come down the line of two different red priests both yeah. supporting a messiah that's interesting but it's so down far down the line I don't know where it's going to go or if it's even going to go that way Right, and what's interesting too is that uh, Kinvara, who's in the the Red Priestess here, uh, said explicitly that you know Melisandre has been wrong in the past, and it's not the religion that's wrong; it's it's the human fallacy of you know kind of lining up behind the the wrong person. Uh, so, you know, perhaps the fact that she's been wrong in the past may you know I don't know if that's a sign of her being wrong again or, or kind of where they're going with that, but you can tell that Kinvara is kind of counting on that almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. Also, if, if it would be a lot easier as an atheist if religion would just do a Kinvara thing and be like, you remember when you were five and this happened and no one knows but you? Like, that would definitely... I'd go more to church if that happened. I'm just saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I trust... Varys' uh, dubious face was great. <laughs> just of like... Oh, man, he was so <laughs> broken in that moment. Like, Yeah, he was not ready for that. Like, all his logic was just 
gone. He's like, how does she know that that well? So yeah. she like she had like the fire told her. I guess well, I don't know. Well, he's very I mean, interesting. That's the, that's the well, thing, it, like... it it breaks his whole thing because he's a very interesting guy who like you know was castrated for a sorceress and that he later mm-hmm. took down and murdered. So you could kind of prove like I won with reason. You ruined right. my life because of magic, and I right. won with reason against you. I mean, so it, it is a very interesting moment. Well, that's like, the thing Shit. they say. They, this is the battle that's coming a little bit here too. Is like the, the nice thing is like you can never see like we keep like determining that Game of Thrones is a battle that's going to be waged between like dark and evil. But there's all these other plot lines and thread lines running through it. And one of these key consistent things is this distinction between like the maesters and the magic, and the maesters help killed the dragons in King's Landing because they definitely they definitely worked to try to get rid of magic and recognizing that dragons were a source of magic tried to kill them and i think that various is definitely in that and like she's and she and she she specifically says he you know you have won via your knowledge you use your little birds to go and get knowledge and it it it's this weird through pattern between like faith and knowledge that's essentially happening like the faith and the fire and the passion and the cold clinical knowledge and this is another big through line through the song of ice and fire that i think is both represented in the supported in the show as well as this and I, that's the thing is like i don't know how it's going to play out because there's these other patterns that i really don't know where it's going like this is one of the things i really don't know how the fuck this show is going to end because you don't know where the like the faith is like playing into this because the faith is like a is distinctly fire based and like kind of based in the targaryens and the fire and the blood and everything to do with it and it's it's definitely like echoes the valerians and the powers that they used to hold so in terms of this being of faith and passion where is on the other side of this like the the knowledge coming in like is the knowledge representative of the white walkers or is this more kind of like like you know the cross point and like two a different argument that's happening over the top of the game of thrones i completely agree with that point because if you look at the history of game of thrones there's always been like a dichotomy between passion on one side and reason on the other side and i think like the best example of that is the starks versus the lannisters right. and how the starks were fighting you know for revenge and to know right. you know for honor and all that stuff and you know that's kind of the uh well, kind of... Does, you're right you're right knowledge and clinical coldness is inherent to the starks because you get robert and you get and you get uh, ned stark and ned is cold and clinical and robert is passionate and fiery and that's like uh, oh, man. it's 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 a theme that's represented over and over again but again it's weird because it's usually knowledge and faith are paired on opposite sides of the fire well, and the cold the, the last right, but point also very reasonable, but also very traditional base. Like they would, why Rob would trust the phrase, "No one would ever murder you in in the wedding feast." That's against the laws of the gods. You know what I mean? It's right. it's a mortal sin. So right, that's oh, Rob is Rob is totally passionate in the sense that like the only reason that he decided yeah. to like you know go fight was to to avenge Ned's death. But the the one Definitely. point I wanted to make is that. Uh, you know, you see in this episode, I think for the first time, where two characters who've always been associated with reason, i.e., both Littlefinger and Varys, uh, kind of got you know knocked knocked down a peg by uh, yeah. by passion in, in the form of both Sansa and uh, and Kinvara. So I don't know if if that's like a turn, but it was kind of a cool moment to see you know these two characters who have been pretty much unflappable for you know the yeah. duration of the show, kind of you know be uncomfortable and kind of you know. 
be in a different that situation. Was def- that was definitely paired in this episode. Like, Varys and Littlefinger are kind of pairings of each other. They've definitely always been acknowledged as such. And I noticed that, like, there is a symmetry to both. Like, you know, we had a lot of Varys, and so, like, that's when Littlefinger reappeared. Like, I do think there's a symmetry to what they're saying about these two characters. And, I, and I'm curious because I... I at the same time, why like the divide that's really defined various as him being knowledge isn't necessarily represented in Littlefinger. I guess passions like Littlefinger's a brothel keeper, and you know maybe it's his own pure passion for Caitlyn Stark that's driving him, um, and his passion for the throne. So I guess yeah, I guess I guess like I guess Baelish really is like passion on the same coin. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, yeah. I, I we're starting. That's to stretching. That's maybe. stretching as shit. Yeah. I understand that. That is stretching. <laughs> Well, we've we've gone what fifty minutes, and we haven't talked about the most important things that happened. Holy in the episode. fuck! We got to save it up, man. It's so good. We're, we're gonna accept that this is an hour and thirty podcast. Like it's gonna happen. Yeah, I think it's just like how it is. There's too many storylines. There's just so. too much shit. <laughs> so you guys let's know too much about and... the lore. That's the problem. <laughs> our, Jack and I, and whoever else will join us, our I Zombie podcast will not be this long. I think. Yeah, it'll. <laughs> we're gonna. We're gonna. It's gonna be a solid thirty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Minutes, like, oh, it's 30 minutes. Fuck it, we're done. Ow. So let's talk about the first uh, huge revelation, which was the fact that the Children of the Forest actually created the White Walkers to protect themselves against the First Men. And yeah. we kind of saw how that worked out for them, because I'm pretty oh sure God, the Children of the Forest are no more. We're not even time travel yet. It's like 50 minutes in. <laughs> 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 well, let's start with the big one. Yeah, it's first off, I, I believe that that this the guy who plays the Nightwalker, the Nightwalker, no, the, the Night, Night King. King. Thank you, uh, King of the White Walkers. There we go. Uh, is played by the actor under all that makeup. Uh, so right. it's the same guy. So it is kind of the idea that he is the first White Walker. Sort wow. of, uh, implied yeah. through that, through casting and the like. Maybe not necessarily confirmed but probably implied at least very interesting it's a very interesting idea of a weapon that goes beyond your control and makes the whites a little bit more interesting they're still kind of the unstoppable evil force and it's not clear why they want to kill all living life especially if they are men and just probably should just hate the children of the forest but uh it was really cool to see and very very it's also It's also cool the difference between this and the Doom, which is also the weapon on the other side, because it's it's all a spectrum. Everything in Game of Thrones is a spectrum. And you got the Valyrians on the other side, which is essentially the children of the forest paradigm, and they their weapons that allowed them to conquer the world eventually destroyed them with a fiery volcano, which is the same thing as, like, now they have ice monsters that are freezing them out. And and, and it's interesting, because they definitely showed... And I don't know if it was the North. I assumed it was the North. But I think that they're actually is saying that, like, the North is as cold as it is because of what the Children of the Forest do, did. And we also right, know from... Right. Like, well, that, a great that shot tree they killed shot him on, the, mm-hmm. I believe, is the tree Bran is in. I believe that is the right. same weirwood tree. Right. I, I agree. I agree. I think that's I think that was represented. I think that was um, alluded to about like where he was and what was happening. But like, that's awesome for them to show us the goddamn moment. Which I think a lot of that was created. just in that one shot of the beautiful uh, red leaf tree with the, the face on it. The God, yeah. the old God yeah. uh, going from the springtime with all the stones around it to the winter. And the tree is broken down the middle as though by a, a 
incomparable power just right. split yeah. it, the yeah. world almost in half. And yeah. and they pointed this out to me in the sh- in the episode, uh, and I, I love those little vignettes. Like I wish every show I cared about had vignettes about like the show creator just talking about it after the fact. Like I literally would die for that. For like certain anime series, like if the Kill a Kill creator came on and like was translated from Japanese afterwards talking about the show, I would literally die of happiness. Just like trying to get trying to see him struggle to explain his creation. I mean, it makes more sense in the context of Game of Thrones, but like he and like he points out things that I would have never thought of, like the allusion to like the White Walker symbols that they left on the ground, or like the mutilated horse parts, right? Are the same symmetry in the symmetry of like the stones, and like the symmetry that the White Walkers are following is similar to the symmetry of the old of the first men that were there, and are similar, and like, they're clones of the Starks in some ways. What? Oh, no, the- that was chilling to me. If you'll pardon the expression, and the <laughs> it's it's like the um they're like this Frankenstein monster that's trying to recreate the mythology right. that they were born with, even though they don't understand it. Like they're replicating the the yeah. children's designs, even though they hate the children for creating them or something. Right. Like that. That's right. an interesting dynamic. One of really, the uh- and, and a kind of grotesque oh. fuck you almost because like if they yeah, yeah. it is clearly exactly. it is clearly exactly. grotesque yeah well, one of the cooler theories that i think has a lot of weight to it is if you look at the whole you know religion of the lord of light it's the idea that you've got Rahulor, who's the you know the lord of light on one hand and he's fighting this eternal battle against the other which is i guess represented by like the winter right so there's the idea that you know, perhaps like the Ice King is the other in that mythical sense, and like in the in the like the religion of the Lord of Light. So I I, I could see some things happening there. Definitely, definitely, like the idea right. of the Azura High being the one to defeat the Night King seems very, very much like something they've been leading up to. Who that is is unclear. It still seems like it's either Danny or John, but uh, definitely feels like that's kind of where they're going with that in terms of the higher mythology of the show. Right. Yeah, the mythos in Game of Thrones is really interesting because it's almost like he's saying myth, like the the concept of myth and how much we need myth actually shapes our politics in such a way that we're predetermined to fulfill those myths because we believe in them. Like there's there's a lot of like I don't, I don't know what the statement exactly is being made, but it, it's it's interesting to me. I guess that's why I like appreciate it so much. So yeah. Sean, yeah. tell us how Bran ruined everything. so so bran totally went off the reservation in this one um the the, i guess the first major scene is where he decides to green sea without uh the three-eyed raven actually being there to guide him and in that scene he you know he wargs into uh well i guess he, he transports to a scene where you've got like the entire army of the white walkers and he interacts with the with the night king and this was an interesting moment where you can actually see figures actually interact with Bran. So it shows that, you know, he can actually affect what's going on. And, of course, Bran gets branded where now the Weirwood Tree is no longer the safe harbor. And, of course, the, the White Walkers can, can get in. And that kind of leads up to the, to the finale of the episode. But uh, I think that the most important point is that... Uh, by seeing by seeing that Bran can actually like change what well not necessarily change what happens but like interact with what's going on be it like the Night King or be it like his father you know this is a this he can actually affect the past so this this is almost like I don't want to say time travels a thing but you know time travels a thing time travels kind of a thing yeah <laughs> and it also shows how powerful the Night King is that he has that much magical abilities that he can be the only oh one god who can when touch they just him. like 
well, walk it, through the fire and the fire like dies under their feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty I mean, scary. <laughs> that, that was it's they have so many cool fucking moments with that. Like especially like when in like the last season when like the guy just comes into the barn into the flaming barn and the barn just extinguishes and I'm just like, "Oh my god, it's awesome." <laughs> but, like, but at the same time like I, I think like uh, like their introduction it's like it's weird to me that like, you know, they're training a green seer and like in like Bran is the last is going to be the last most powerful green seer but at the same time like clearly the white walkers have green seer abilities as well in 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 terms of like them so it's weird to be that like like essentially like whatever battle is having at least in terms of like between the night king like he's got ties to both john and bran so it's weird to see like where his final moments are gonna be Though honestly, like I have to admit, the White Walkers die like really easily because like Mira. That always has been the one. problem. Is like if you get a bunch of dragon glass and some good archers, aren't they pretty much done for? <laughs> like, like they're done, done. Like and not the and the, like they're they're like the scary thing about them is that they can control the uh, they can control the undead and like they can let that sweep forth and do a good job of that. But like they're always nearby and they're killed like really easily. Like he gets shot in the shoulder with a spear and like. He's done. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was it was uh, an obsidian not, not to spear, say anything so against Sam, but if Sam could take one out, I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> like no, oh I mean, that's the point. Like the you know, you know, everyone's like, you know, they want us to have like a moment where like the bravery of Samwise, like that's literally what I I was like, oh my god, you're doing a Samwise reference, but like and you know like at the same time I'm just like, but he just stabbed the dude in the back with dragon glass and that and this great evil was done. Like, like right. Well, uh, that, that's why they created like what five of those fucking things so there can and be every like, time they use moments. one. Every time they use one, they leave it behind. It drives me crazy. I'm like, no, take it. Keep the dragon glass. Oh, God, you're going to need it. You're going to need it so bad. Like, At least every they still time. had it from Sam. I was so like, oh, if Sam doesn't give him like dragon glass when he shows up, I'm going to be so fucking pissed off. So thankfully, that's the ones that they got from Sam. I, way back there when. were moments in the show where like, you know, we're so used to things not connecting that like when Sam like does the smart thing, you're like, thank you, Sam. The character does something that you like, you were like sure that they weren't going to do and it was just going to get blown over. You're like, thank you for being narratively strong. <laughs> All right. Thing. <laughs> we, we, we put it off too long, guys. We have to talk about the most important thing that happens in the episode. Summertime. Hold the door! Hold the door! Hold the door! It's way sadder. Oh god, <laughs> dude, this that, show that gets off sad. on that, that shit. Sad, it's, shit but... it's like I'm gonna kill some wolves. <laughs> man, they hate wolves in the show. <laughs> oh, that was a, in fairness, that was a Ben line that I stole off the chat. I don't know. Like I, I wasn't like the whole summer death. I thought was a little like I was expecting a little more from Summer. Like there was no need for him to sacrifice himself there because like you obviously can run. The children, you can run. yeah, the children of the forest were already gonna do that. And I don't know. Now there's only Nymeria and, and Ghost are the only two ones left. And uh, I guess it's just to make like Bran like underpowered at the end because it's literally him and Mira's like carrying him along. Like yeah. <laughs> I don't know how far they're gonna get, but shit, I don't know. I don't know. All right, well let's get to it. Let's get to it. <laughs> All right, Hodor. Oh man, so Bran like so, Bran is like fucked this guy's life up hardcore, you know. Yeah. Like first, it's it's revealed that you know when he's when they're trying to escape from the Weirwood Tree, uh, you know Bran is in this vision and he can't really control it and he can't get himself out to kind of get back into reality. So he's freaking he's freaking him the fuck out. And essentially, what he does is he he tries to while he's green searing, he wards into Hodor, uh, kind of in a moment a moment of panic. 
and Hodor just loses his mind because I guess it's the first time that that's ever happened to him. And uh, that well, that's it's essentially like, it's also coming across like the past and the future. It was just it just exactly, broke his yeah. brain, I think. You know, because it's mm-hmm. like coming from forty years in the future and then like hitting him in the brain, and I think right. it just shattered his mind. You know. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's clear. It's clear to me that like they made they made allusions to it, and before they're like, you shouldn't warg into people. Like that's wrong. And even mm-hmm. and it's funny to me that that's established knowledge among the wargs. And it's funny to me that like in the first place, it was weird. Everyone was surprised when he was able in the first place to warg into Hodor. And that's the thing is like I don't. I think that's only capable of somebody like Hodor. Like right. And so like. Right, because that was the thing, is that maybe the reason that it was so easy for Bran to do it is because he had done it before, right? And that's what right. kind of broke his right. mind. And he tried... They said that, like, you can you can do it on, like, uh, people with lower... Like, things with lower intelligence, generally animals, but also people with lower intelligence. So there's sort of an idea of, like, a person who has uh, a less than uh, able mind. You could probably work into them as well. And it's right, like, he right, doesn't right. have a less than able mind because he worked into him and ruined his mind. <laughs> Just... Like, <laughs> But the most important thing here, oh, sorry, the, the most most important thing here to take away is that it, it is a time paradox because the reason that Bran is able to work into Hodor is because he created Hodor, essentially, uh, right. in, in it's name. A, it's a closed and loop it's, paradox. Uh, well, yeah, and this is a sci-fi now, and everything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a closed paradox in that everything that has happened today, everything that Bran is going to do is going to somehow be more causally affected to what is, in, in essence, happening. Right. So, so it, like, he, I think, like, the, the Raven, I, I, like, I, you know, I, I literally had, I'm not going to lie, like, I, bro- I, like, literally almost lost a friendship today where somebody was, like, arguing me. It's like, the Raven has causal knowledge. That's bullshit. The Raven doesn't necessarily know what's going to happen. He clearly didn't know what was going to happen based upon his reaction to somebody coming in there and, like, the White Walker's branding ran. Yeah, he, he was too angry. Doesn't... He doesn't like. Oh, this! I knew this was always going to happen, or something. Yeah. No, no, yeah. It, there's clearly, there's clearly, he doesn't know what's going to happen. So, like, clearly, there's a set moment in time. The Green Seers don't go forward in time; they just move backwards in it and can affect time as it's happening. Um, but only to the thing that, like, it doesn't actually have a, a parallel shift or multiple dimension theory. So, whatever the Green Seers go back and do must have already been preordained. So, right. in the essence, like, Bran cannot change anything, but he can only gather knowledge from the past which is important in right. gathering knowledge or anything he does able... change in the past is already set in the future. right like it will exactly. always happen yeah so he was right. always going to fuck up order of brain you know which is why we come back around to like the whole mad king brand time traveling and making the mad king mad theory because he hears voices well, and can you explain that theory real quick for people who don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. So the theory is like the Mad King is most specifically known to have heard voices and gone mad from like hearing the voices. So a lot of people have theorized that like let's say Bran does have this a dick through time and space powers. Like what happens if he like he's like oh I'll go back and I'll save literally my grandfather. I'll go talk to the Mad King and convince him not to do it, and then irreversibly is the one that causes the Mad King to go insane and then burns his grandfather. So it's it and, and there's a lot of problems with this theory and I don't see it panning out. I'm 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 not exactly the problem. Even with if it open... was in the books, I don't see it in the show. Just in terms of like, because that's a thing mm. you need a long time to do, and the show is on well, major major. Well, which is now. why which is why they might be accelerating the shit out of Brand's time timeline. Right. Which makes me wonder how much time he's going to spend um, after this, like 
horrific traumatic episode like wrestling with the responsibility of his powers and if that's going to hold us up for a while or if he's gonna because he seemed kind of like in that moment in the past he realized that it always had to happen that way and he was aware of just the tragic nature of his fate on that moment right yeah and how how horrible it was that he was the reason you know it it definitely hurt him I like, think he, I, you know, he fucked. Yeah. He he literally fucked Hodor before he was born. Like, <laughs> like so. Yeah. So does Bran have free will though? Like, is he going to wrestle with his responsibility? He has to. He has to because right now he was essentially an audience member in what happened to Hodor. Like, he didn't know what was going on, and he was kind of just like sitting there, like with us in the audience, kind of freaking out with us as like that shit mm-hmm. went down. But there has to be a moment where he actively tries to like change the past. Or actively tries to use his powers to like make a difference, and that could be the Mad King kind of episode that that goes forward. So I mean, this comes interesting. Like he's gonna get another um, individual, and so here's the thing that we we talked about. It's kind of been so. This is a true spoiler for individuals for next episode. Then I want to be surprised, but it's been been made me aware of uh, Joseph Mall who is uh, the guy that plays Benjen Stark, is credited in next episode. And he's not credited as Benjen Stark. He's credited as Brother Beyond the Wall in mm-hmm. up by IMDb. So there's clearly going to be, he's going to come back in next episode and be involved in Bran's plotline, especially if he's going to maintain his Beyond the Wall status. Um, which is interesting to me because here's a character we haven't got is Cold Hands. And, and, and that's the thing. is like a lot of people are saying, are we going to get a Cold Hands that is Benjamin Stark? Because I would have at this moment been like, Cold Hands comes in and is now a White Walker-esque brand mentor and is going to continue his journey here, which would make sense to me. Um, but except, or maybe they're going to combine the characters with Benjamin Stark and use pre-existing things and do things a little bit differently. Right. Well, I know. Right. Just... I also feel at some point he wants to get back to Winterfell because that's where the other weirwood tree is, and they needs that to green sea. If I'm not mistaken, correct? That is correct. Right. Right. He does, yeah, so, but so like I, do, I can't. I don't think Bran is powerful enough, even if he could. I think he does. He's going to get. He, Bran is going to. Ned, the young Ned Stark is credited in the next episode. So it, 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 somehow Bran has to be green seeing next episode. Hmm. Maybe he's still huh. stuck so, in that limbo that he I got thought he needed the tree. In. That's fair. Oh, you're right. He could just be. He could just be stuck on the limbo looking at like old Hodor and then comes out of it. So like, yeah, it could right. be happening. Well, um, so I, I, there's yeah. more weirwoods up north. Is like right. that's the thing. But I feel like, about, like maybe they're yeah. just going to go to that one since it's safer, you know, in terms of like. You, in well, the, the White Walkers bolt. can't get past the wall. You okay, know, I I disagree there. with this, Ben, and I mostly disagree with it because pretty much the Ramsey plot line has to be satisfied before they're in the they're in the green they're in the Greenwood and Winterfell. So like, right. I, don't I don't think, think he's gonna no, show up right away. I think he's gonna come in later. But like that, are you ser- you seriously don't think they're gonna like they're gonna like have Bran be a Green Seer for like the next six episodes? No, I don't think so. I think they're gonna he's gonna get out of that thing and then wrestle with it emotionally in the real world and then. Eventually I disagree. I disagree. He's, he's gonna, gonna jump back, back in. It. They're gonna they're moving him forward, and I think that they're gonna. I don't like they've tantalized this too much. That'd be I would be super pissed off if he doesn't keep doing it. Right. Well, I think like, I think Bran is going to. I, I think he just has to like, get back Brand to is, Brand, I, I just don't want to see Bran like faff about for like the next season. Do you know what I mean? Like it's. <laughs> I don't think they're faff about. I think they're, they're, the show's accelerated. He's gonna get to Winterfell in like nine seconds you know what i mean it's like but huh, it's just but like be but like but that's the point it's plot. like he can't be at the green tree in winterfell until john takes it back which is like two seasons from now no it's Ooh, episode nine, no. man. it's coming yeah it's, it's, it's episode, episode nine yeah, yeah. i agree 
I, I think it's more like a, a end of the season, season seven, beginning kind of thing. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll take, I'll, I will take that bet. Like, Bran okay. is going to be green seeing <laughs> next episode because, like, I think he's still going to be stuck in that limbo. But I think once he gets out of that limbo that he was stuck in when we were leaving, he's still there. I think he's gonna be. Can I just take a point to clarify real quick? Uh, that that vision that they they went into um, right as the White Walkers were coming and they knew anyway was that like the Three Eyed Raven trying to download everything he knew into Bran? Is, yeah, is, there was hints of that, and, and that's and what I people were wondering. Yeah, it didn't come through, but it's more in the line that the showrunners said after the fact. He's like, he's trying to download information to him. So, right, there was a I, joke I saw that someone said, I hope he got towerofjoy.exe from the, uh, <laughs> the <laughs> Raven net. Right, because that's, that's the only way that moment makes sense, because like, why would they go into an extended green sea when they know the White Walkers are coming, unless it was that, right? Because, uh, right. because the fucking Three-Eyed Raven... The Three-Eyed Raven right. had to have known what was going on. I'm just like... Which is also her, random, because up till right, now, I'm, like, I'm people couldn't green sea with it. Okay. I know, okay. I, I know. Well, this is the exact same thing because, like, you know, in the last episode, like, Bran can apparently green see without touching a tree because he's green seeing while just getting carried away by Mira. Yeah, I was wondering, like, where's like, the Wi-Fi think, signal land like, on this? He's just, I know, I know like, <laughs> what are the rules here, guys? <laughs> like, is it just, like, that you needed to run away with him and he needed to be warging so that he could technically be working and, like, Hodor could have that moment? HODOR! <laughs> <laughs> that, that kid who played young little Willis Hodor, he was good. He, he was good. That was good. Yeah. That was a good. That was a very convincing seizure. Oh man! Well, should we should we wrap this up? <laughs> yeah, let's get this shit done. R.I.P. Hodor. I, I, I'm gonna take this against. I'm gonna take that bet with you, like a side bet between me and you, Ben. I yeah, well, Tre- Trevor convinced he's not likely, but I'll stick to my guns in that. I think he's gonna get out of his limbo and then and work on some. Really I bet stuff. you he's gonna be green seeing next episode. Separate, separate. I'll give you this. Separate from the green seeing leftover from when the raven let him go, he's going to be green right. seeing next episode. Can do it that is my bet. All right. Cool. Take that. <laughs> Solid. All right, guys. Good good, good episode. Good cast. I, I really enjoyed this one in the sense that, uh, you know, there was it was a really dramatic moment, and I really hadn't felt this way about Game of Thrones since, man, I, mean, I want to say that I, probably since the Red Wedding, actually, and then in the sense like... I was yeah, about to it, say, it, I'm glad you said that. Mm. Yeah, it really, really yeah, it did really hit me nice hard. Emotional death. Yeah, like yeah, my, my jaw it's dropped. interesting changing <laughs> a, a a very comical character to a a really tragic to a very well incredibly done. powerful character, and really, uh, he really affects Bran here. Like, because Bran did care about Hodor. Like that's like. Like Hodor's been helping Bran the last couple, like the last part of his life, and was yeah. essentially his legs for him. And like losing him in that way, it's like it's almost like self mutilation for Bran. You know, it's interesting. Definitely, definitely, oh, absolutely. So I think I think what we'll do here is uh, I'm going to give everyone a chance to kind of give just a minute long kind of reflection on the episode slash where we think we're going next time. Does that yeah. sound fair? So do Sounds we want to start with? Uh, do you want to start with you, Jack? Sure. Uh, well, I, I mean, here, looking at, like, the people that are coming back next episode, it's hinted at uh, – it's hard for me to predict where it's going in terms of, like, uh, I think this is a great episode. And I think I think the question for me here is, like, where are they going to slow down? Where are they going to speed up? And I think the key for me is, like, they definitely need to at least have the moment next episode, have some resolution to what the fuck is going to happen in King's Landing. And I think they are going to go – we're going to go there. 
Uh, I don't know where King's Landing is going, and that's actually interesting because it really is like a singularity of the of the King's Landing plotline. Because I don't know where that's gonna go afterwards. So it's not necessarily that I'm not predicting like what's happening. It's that I don't, I truly don't know which direction they're gonna go with it, because like if 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 Jamie and them succeed. Like how uh, I don't know. I guess they could bring in and, and like here have like new issues with the Tyrells and like issues of succession and issues of that. But that doesn't really particularly make sense unless Marjorie bites a bullet. Um, so and this I, I'm going to say this. This is the least. This is this area. The the red in terms of like the you know in like the the red keep like i have no idea what's going to happen there in terms of like this is the area where i'm least confident the other places have a lot of in, ingrained prophecy and a lot of like backstories that are like framed around it so i'm very i'm very clear where danny is going to go i'm very clear where john is going to go i'm very clear where, where a lot of the other characters are going to go but i really have no idea because really honestly like like the Lannisters and them have become unmoored from the story, unmoored for the greater story in terms of we don't know where they're going to go in terms of being enemies or friendlies or where. So I think in the sense like I'm interested to see that I have no predictions for where that's going to go. Um, otherwise, I do think that like it's clear to me that like we're going to meet Benjamin Stark next episode and whether or not he is cold hands or somebody else, he's going to be the new direction for Bran. Um, I don't, I think Bran's going to stay north of the wall. Uh, I, I want to say that I see no reason for Bran to need to go to a weirwood or something else or do something else, but I do think he's going to find another safe location and start heavily, uh, wearing out there. So we're going to see in terms of the brand side of stories. I don't, I don't think we're going to go very, very far, but I definitely think that we're going to end up seeing, uh, where that's going to go. So. No, we'll, we'll just see when we get there. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Bullshit. I, that was a terrible prediction. I, I agree with a lot of show up. Yeah. Uh, ben, go for it. Uh, yeah, so uh, the, the coming on seems to... I think we're going to start with right after the Hodor death and then try and run away from the Whites as we see in the, the preview. And I think we're just going to see Benjamin Stark crush the Whites either with magic or something and then say, come with me, and that's it. It's just going to be like a teaser thing. Like we're not gonna know who he is. We're not seeing the rest of the episode. I don't disagree. I don't quick. disagree with that happening. Whether or not yeah. he's back the next episode, there's no way it, within three episodes he's not green. No, yeah, definitely again. he's gonna be bigger. But I think they're gonna just this episode is just gonna be a, a uh, who the fuck's that guy? You know, like uh, deal with that. Yeah. Thing. Oh no, and I mean then, I could see that. Yeah, and then the uh, the other two big things uh, I don't remember the other big plotline, but they definitely say that Sam is gonna be coming home. So I think there's gonna be a lot to do with. Is he going to be in serious trouble for abandoning? Ooh, ooh, the Night's ooh. Can Watch? I can I steal can I steal something? Just real two seconds. Dude, I'm, sorry. I'm really sorry. Oh my god! Oh my I'm god. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you think the Tyrells would go and march on King's Landing without their foremost general, who is Randall Tarley? I don't think so but i mean it yeah. depends on i guess what they want to do you know what I mean? especially when randall tarley after is reestablished as like the king's justice at some point in the books so it's weird to me and i'm wondering if we're going to get some time warping powers here with randall tarley well yeah episodes. he might just jump to king's landing in a, after an episode dealing with that's Sam. what i was that's what but i was I wondering is he going to roll in at, about whatever the Sam, fuck happens think- yeah I do think Sam's storyline is leading up to some sort of sacrifice to save Gilly, and I do wonder if a big part of that is him abandoning 
the Night's Watch and if he has to pay for that at all with his life at all. And then yeah. on the King's Landing stuff, I agree with Jack. I just I don't know where it's going, but I do think I it's how probably the fu- going to be are. the last They're unmoored from Price. the story. They're unmoored. Oh, sorry, it's your second favorite. You keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot to say. You're way past okay. that, Jack. Yeah, sure, uh, Jack. <laughs> as i was saying i think this is our last episode you gotta if you're gonna make me gonna if you're gonna make otherwise. me actually hush Jack, you, gotta shut me, up. you gotta call me a fucker or something Jack, you're drunk, on, yeah. jesus christ oh, shit. Price is gonna die move on fuck <laughs> oh my god Trevor, go for it Jack, just um, jesus I don't even I don't even want to waste y'all's time. I mean, I was wrong about my last prediction that Daenerys was going to have to have some sort of an extended moment with the Dothraki where she, like, told them what's up, basically, and nope. what her plan <laughs> is. And <laughs> that didn't happen! But now they're just unquestionably following her, which I guess makes sense. Um, so there's that. Um, looking forward to seeing more of Arya and uh, her big, big choice and whether she's going to, like, unquestionably serve the faceless god or not i don't think she is well, i think she's gonna try maybe to do it but then she's gonna fuck up because it, it's weird that they're still testing her like that and that she drank the water and she was fine but she's just not done yet i do kind of agree with Jack yeah. that her development there is just like endlessly training mode kind of but um yeah, yeah i don't know um the only other thing I'm really, really curious about, I guess, is just that there's still those two dragons wandering around in the Dungeons of Marine, apparently not wrecking shit yet, even though they're <laughs> out of their chains because Tyrion was nice to them. So, <laughs> um, well, I had always, uh, I had always assumed that they had just flown off, right? Because they left the they left the gate open. So I, I just, I, I assume they're like oh. out there in the world, yeah. But, oh, uh, I didn't get that. That's interesting. No, I, don't, I, I think they don't because they, they show them going deeper into the cave, so I think they're still going to stay in that dungeon. At least what I, I would think they would show them flying away if they were... That's yeah, fair. That's away. fair. All right, well, my, my prediction is, I mean, obviously this episode has to be very heavily about King's Landing since we didn't really see Lena Headey or Nikolaj Koster-Waldo like the entire mm. episode. So that's got to be the majority of where the action's going to be. Uh, my prediction is I agree with Ben that this is going to be the last episode for Jonathan Price, i.e. Bernie Sanders. I think they've <laughs> kind of taken that. <laughs> they've taken that as far as they can. They can take it. And yeah. um, the question is like, what is the uh, what is the fallout from that decision to kind of like take over the faith? Um, is Marjorie going to die? I hope she doesn't because I want some more like deep V outfits. Um, but we'll, oh. we'll see what happens. Wow, that's shameless. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the characters like go through or like happens to them or like what horrible things happen. Like Sean can always still objectify you more. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I don't think Marjorie's gonna die because the last time we saw her, she had a really powerful moment there with Loris, where she was trying to bring him back from like the brink of madness and uh, kind of really came into her character, and you kind of, like, saw a lot of character development there. Like, if anything, I think Loris is going to die. Um, I think Marjorie is going to live to fight another day. And we have to remember that, of course, like, you've got the Tyrell army there, so there could be a lot of shit going down between, like, the Lannisters and the Tyrells. So the point is, like, episode six, I think, is going to be a big episode. Like, we're going to see a lot of shit going down in King's Landing. We're probably going to see, like, where that storyline is headed. So that's my prediction. But anyway, well, I think we're, we'll close this out. I think we're <laughs> going a lot longer than I thought we would, but we had a lot to say. And 
Thank you, you so much for this one. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and we will catch you next week. I'm so drunk. <laughs> Dude, you are drunk, Jake. <laughs> no, I'm just like, oh my god, how did I get this drunk? <laughs> and we're ending the podcast right there. <laughs>